Thank you, Pastor Doug, Dr. Graham. Appreciate it. It's been great to be here all of this semester and get acquainted and reacquainted with some of you. I just want to say, uh, Pastor Jeff, just the worship here is just so great. It's just wonderful. And, uh, you know, you watch people and you are such a worshiper. And I just appreciate that so much about you. Uh, Dr. A, your passion for the local church, your passion for pastors. Uh, you've been in our church so many times and just so grateful for you. Learned so much from you, your passion for education for this place. And I do love North Central. Um, made many, many investments here over the years. And I've said this every single month, and I'll say it again this month. I am so excited about your future as you serve the Lord. I really am. I'm excited about the way God is going to use your life, your words. Uh, you're going to lay hands on people. They're going to be healed. You're going to lead people to Jesus. You're going to pray with people. They're going to receive the spirit baptism. So excited about where God has brought North Central in this next chapter of our lives. I do believe this is a leadership factory. Congratulations to the seniors. Can you believe how close you are to the graduates, how close you are just right around the corner. Today I want us to look at the spiritual side of leadership in Joshua chapter 5. If you want to take your Bible or your devices and turn there, uh, the words will not be on the screen, but let me just say before we read the text that I'm convinced one of the ways that God moves in every generation is through spiritual leadership. One of the ways that God moves in every single generation is through spiritual leadership. It was here at North Central so many years ago, and I will talk about this suitcase at the end of the message this morning. This was my dear mother's suitcase. It's made out of wood, and she was going to go to college, but because of the war that was going on, World War II, she wanted to do her part to help the country in the war effort. And so she got on a train and she went from western Illinois, a little town where I grew up called Pittsfield, to Burlington, Iowa. And she worked in a factory that helped produce materials for the war effort. And she was so good at it, her and two other young ladies that they got asked to go to California and work in a larger factory with more uh, delicate construction. And so she took her little wooden suitcase and got on a train with these two other young high school graduates and went all the way from Burlington, Iowa, all the way to Southern California and did her part to help this country. And this little wooden suitcase has a significant part to do with my history here at North Central. But it was here that I learned the principles of spiritual leadership. The truth is it's possible to be spiritual and not a leader, and to be a leader and not be spiritual. The truth is we need both. Let me say it this way, and it's on the screen. It is the kingdom of God in us that makes us spiritual, and the kingdom of God through us that makes us a leader. It is the kingdom of God in us when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, when we are born of the Spirit, when, when we are filled with the Spirit at conversion that makes us spiritual 
and it is the kingdom of God through us, working through us, that makes us a leader. Let me break spiritual leadership down just a little bit before we read our text today because that's what Joshua chapter 5 is all about. I call it the new generation chapter in the book of Joshua, which is one of my favorite Old Testament books. Spiritual leadership works like this. God works in us, then He works through us. In other words, we become a work of God before we do the work of God. God works in us, then He works through us. We become this work of God. God transforms our lives, our thinkings, our attitudes. That's why we should always allow Him in every stage of our lives to do a fresh work in us. Secondly, our leadership capacity determines the breadth of our ministry and life impact. In other words, the work ethic that you develop, the relational capacities that you have, your courage, your ability to get a vision and to communicate that vision, your skill at team leading, strategic thinking abilities, all of these things determine the breadth of your ministry, the influence of your life. And your spiritual intensity determines the depth of your ministry and your life impact. It is impossible, in other words, to go deep places with people and be spiritually shallow. That's why we have to always be passionately seeking after God. So from Joshua chapter 5, we find God's strategy, God's technique to move His kingdom forward in every new generation. God's strategy, God's technique that moves his kingdom work forward in every generation, it's this. It's the commitment that spiritual leadership is willing to make to holiness, to hunger, which is zeal, and to humility. That's God's battle plan for every single generation. Bit of a context to our reading today As I said, I like to call Joshua chapter 5 the new generation text. Their parents were the Exodus generation. They were led by Moses out of Egypt to the promised land. They failed to go in. They were living in disobedience to God. And the punishment upon that Exodus generation was that they were to wander in the desert until they all died off. And this Joshua 5 generation was born during this wandering period. Their parents die off. It's their turn to take the promised land. They're now being led by Joshua. And they're attempting to do what their parents had failed to do. And they became wildly successful at it. They go into the promised land after God parts the Jordan River. And starting with Jericho, they defeat army after army, king after king. 31 different kingdoms fall to Joshua and the Joshua 5 generation. It's easily the generation of Israel that takes the most new territory for the kingdom. They fought and they won the promised land. 
They were amazingly successful as a generation. And I like to call them the Joshua 5 generation because of what God does in chapter 5 in the book of Joshua. It was after they crossed the Jordan River, but before they took Jericho. Before God was able to take any territory through them, He stops them and they camp in Gilgal. And it's the same way today. Before God can take any territory through us, He has to take new territory in us. I do not have time in this chapel service, but there are three main stories in Joshua chapter 5 for this new generation. And each story corresponds with a leadership quality. In verses 13 through 15, the end of the chapter, we see the leadership quality of humility. Verses 10 through 12, the leadership quality of hunger, of real zeal for the Lord. And in verses 1 through 9, we see a new holiness that God had. Each generation has to experience its own holiness. And so, I don't normally do this in chapel, but let's stand in honor of God's Word if we could do that. And I hope you have Joshua chapter 5 there in your Bible or in your devices. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, Joshua chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 1 through verse 9. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the, obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons who were raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. 
May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word and truly give us understanding. You may be seated. We know that circumcision was a sign of separation for the people of Israel. It was an outward sign of an inward reality. And they had stopped doing it. For whatever reason, the parents had let their kids off the hook when it came to the circumcision thing. And now they were grown up. They had not been circumcised. Not sure why they did it. We can only guess. Whatever happened, the parents had drifted in their zeal for God. And they became a regressive generation. And the legacy that they passed to their kids was spiritual apathy. They let their kids off the hook for holiness. Because circumcision was all about holiness. It was all about relationship, covenant relationship with God. And God never lets us off the hook when it comes to holiness. He didn't then and he doesn't now. Here's what holiness does. It's on the screen. It moves us from being born in to being bought in. This Joshua 5 new generation, they were born into the faith. They, didn't, they did not have a choice of being a part of the Hebrew people. It was a product of who their parents were. It was where they lived. They were born into it. But God required holiness of them just like He does every generation. And suddenly, being born in was not enough for what they were supposed to do. They had to ask themselves, have I really bought in to this? Holiness moved them from being born in to being brought in. In other words, before God would take new territory through them, He required a work of holiness in them. And the same is true today. God wants to take new territory through each of you. That's why I say with confidence every single month, I'm so excited about your future and how God wants to use you. But before God would take new territory through these Hebrews born in the wandering, He required new holiness in them. There's a holiness that is required in us. And so the question is this, where are you letting yourself off the hook in regards to holiness? Where are you letting yourself off the hook in regards to holiness? The prophet Hosea said in Hosea 10, 12, sow righteousness to yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers His righteousness on you. Hosea was one of the prophets 
during the divided kingdom, very difficult times in Israel. There were invasions. There were assassinations. There was huge political divide. And most of the kings during that time were very bad kings, except Hezekiah in the southern kingdom of Judah. They had a little bit of reprieve. Baal worship was everywhere. And that was Hosea's big concern. And he reminds the people of God in several places in his prophecy, and particularly in this verse, regardless of what's going on around you, what's required of you as the people of God is to be holy. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, when I grew up, this was a regular text in our churches, and we were reminded without holiness we would not see the Lord, not just salvation, but seeing Him manifested in our lives, walking in the Spirit. But I think there's another way to look at this text. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. If I don't live a holy life, if, I don't, if I'm not connected to Jesus, if I'm not loving Jesus, if I'm not authentic in my relationship with Jesus, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Then those who don't know Jesus will not see Jesus. So at the end of this semester, where are you giving yourself a pass? Where are you drifting into secret sin? Where are you letting things be said that holiness would not say? Things that you see that holiness would never allow itself to see. Where are you allowing yourself to go where holiness would never go? Where are you letting yourself off the hook? This is not some legalistic, make you feel bad about yourself guilt trip. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a love for God that refuses to be distracted. And that's what holiness is. It's on the screen. It's a love for God. Holiness is a love for God that translates into obedience to God. Even when that obedience is painful, even when that obedience is difficult, even when that obedience is personal and private, and no one would ever know if you obeyed or not, that is holiness. What I've learned about a lifetime of spiritual leadership is that every season of our lives, we have to decide, have I bought in or have I drifted in just born in, just being swept along. Every season of my life, God has asked me something that has tested me, and it's made me re-up. It's made me buy back in. Every season of my life, I've been tempted to let myself off the hook, but I know that God will not work through me in the way that He wants to work with through me, and in the same way if I give in to my temptations. Have you ever noticed what happens when you're stuck in sin? All God, all God wants to talk about is your sin. <laughs> and you're praising Him, and you're really doing good at praising Him, and you're saying, Lord, look at the way I praise you. And He goes, yeah, but what about the sin? 
and you're really serving Him, and you're really volunteering, and you're doing good things, and, and Lord, look what I'm doing, and, and, and how much God is using my life and leadership, and all of a sudden that still small voice whispers on the inside and says, yeah, but what about the sin? It's more and more difficult the longer you're in the faith. Most of us have been Christians long enough. We gave up the sins we wanted to give up, and the sins that are left are the ones that we kind of like. They're kind of the ones that we're not necessarily in a hurry to overcome. You see, chasing holiness and resisting sin, it's a fight that we're in all of our lives. And I want to say to you lovingly and kindly, if you cannot think of the sin you're currently and actively saying no to that you kind of like, then you might be saying no to God's press for holiness in your life. And you might be letting yourself off the hook just a little bit. There was a man who came to visit our church about a year ago and after one of our services, he was just sitting in the front weeping, and actually he was a pastor friend of mine, and, and I went up to him as people were leaving and just prayed with him a little bit and asked him if everything was okay, and, and he lifted his head up with tears streaming down his cheeks, and he said, I just have never had what you guys have here. And I said, oh, brother, you can't compare what God's done through your, your, your years of faithfulness to what God's given us here at Stone Creek Church in Urbana. God's used you in a great way. He said, oh, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, what I'm talking about is you guys just seem to go after God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind, and all of your strength. And there's been different stages in my life where I knew I needed to up my game, and I needed to press into God more, and I just backed off from Him. God could have used me more. And what I'm really jealous about is the way that you guys chase after God. What did my friend do? He had let himself off the hook in regards to holiness. But in the process, he'd robbed himself of stuff that God wanted to do in his life. Here it is. One last thing on the screen. God, won't let, God will not take new territory through us until we let him take holiness territory in us. So let me ask again at the end of this semester as you've made your summer plans, you're thinking about graduation, where have you left yourself, where have you let yourself off the hook in regards to holiness? If God's going to take new territory through you, then He wants to take new territory in you. A new holiness for the new Joshua 5 generation. When I came here, last time I was here, President-elect Hagan joked about me being around when they laid the brick and mortar in Miller Hall. I'm not quite that old. But I did come here the first year that we moved into Carlson Hall. And when I came here, I came with my mother's suitcase and a black and maroon duffel bag with everything I had. And I got on a bus in West Central Illinois, Pittsfield, Illinois, and rode 18 hours to get here. 
It was a miserable trip. And I got here, and the tallest building in Minneapolis was Fauché Tower. Can you believe that? We had to clean our own dorm rooms out in Miller Hall. There was about an eighth of an inch of dust on the floor. It had been some kind of a hospital or something, and there were hospital beds in there and literally bed pans, and we had to clean out our own dorm rooms. There were no locks on the doors. There were lots of draft dodgers. I think the first three weeks of school when I came here, Vietnam War draft dodgers, I think the school kicked out about 30 students. And I mean, I won't tell you all the things that were going on in the dorms in those days, but we did have a massive revival after that. (laughs) And God led me here. My grandmother was the first woman from Pike County, Illinois, to be accepted at the University of Illinois way back in 1898, but because her grandmother got sick, she gave up her educational career to take care of her grandmother. My mother never got the opportunity to go to college because of the war effort. First person in my little family, farming family, to ever have a college education, the opportunity. And I came here to North Central. And it changed my life. I liked what President-elect Hagan said when he preached in chapel during college days that three things we talk about all of our lives, our hometown, our home church, and our alma mater where we went to school. I love North Central. And because I love North Central, even though you don't know me, I love you and I believe in you. And I worked so hard when I came here took full loads, did the very best I could. I thought God had called me to be a military chaplain. And, but somewhere along the way of busyness, of being involved with the yearbook and student government and missions, I let myself off the hook of holiness. Even though I was excited about being here, this old wooden suitcase. My senior year, with my roommate Rick Stratton, we were cleaning Miller Hall. We were getting ready to go out one weekend and tell young people about Jesus. And I had a professor, I felt like he really wasn't often prepared for class, and shouldn't say this, but it is the end of the school year. I skipped as many classes as I could. One of them was Bible Atlas on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7.35 in the morning. Have you ever tried to study Bible maps at 7.30 in the morning when you're 20, 21 years of age? The other one was Introduction to Prophecy. Have you ever tried to study the vials and all that stuff in the book of Revelation Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7.35 in the morning? Same professor, same classroom. It was tough. And I had a bad attitude, and I'd been accepted in our first grad school class, needed to graduate with a B, and I knew I wasn't going to do very good on the finals. And as I reached under the desk, I was helping my roommate clean Miller Hall, I was on that side of Miller Hall. He was, his office was on that side. I reached under the desk, and here was two file folders, Bible at, intro prof. I took the trash can. I went out. I emptied I shut the door behind me, sat down in the chair, opened up those file folders. It was the final exams. I copied the answers. I went out that weekend. Somehow I justified it in my mind. I went out that weekend I let myself off the hook on holiness. God led me here. 
Developed so many wonderful relationships. Had so many incredible experiences. I was healed of an inch spot of tuberculosis while I was here in my left lung. I have x-rays before and afterwards. Dr. Ray LeVang anointed me with oil and prayed for me. And I felt the healing virtue of Jesus Christ go up and down my body. And he healed me. He healed me. But I left myself off the hook of holiness my senior year, leader on campus. I took the test. I aced both of them. I graduated with honors right here. Graduated right here in this chapel. I went to intern in central Illinois before I was going to go to seminary. Almost said cemetery. The pastor said, you're going to meet me every morning at 6 o'clock. We're going to pray. Well, most mornings I fell asleep on my New American Standard Bible. But the second week I knew what I needed to do. I called the school. I tracked the professor down. It was a lot harder in those days. No cell phone. It took about two and a half weeks. I called him by name. Hey, Gary, how you doing? You're in the ministry. You excited? I said, Brother so-and-so, this is very serious. I cheated on your final exams. I'm so ashamed. I'm so embarrassed. I totally submit myself to you and the authority of the school. And whatever you want to do, I will obey. They flunked me for both classes. They took away my honors. They made me take, read more books, write more papers. And it took me a while to fully be granted my degree. And I'm embarrassed with all of that, but you know how good it is to have it under the blood? And I ended up becoming on the Board of Regents, I don't know, a long time ago, over a quarter of a century ago, and I got to be a part of formulating our cheating policy back then that many of our AG schools used, and it's full of grace and truth. Let's stand together. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah. We want you, we need you, we ask for you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I know I went over a little bit, but would you be willing to indulge me? Would you be willing to lift your head, close your eyes, and lift your hands and just bless the Lord for a moment? And if there's an area where you've been letting yourself off the hook on holiness, would you just say, Lord, thank you for dealing with me. Thank you for striving with me. Every time I want to think about something else, every time I want to talk about something else, you always want to talk about that. Lord, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to submit myself to authority. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I need to do, Jesus because I want to finish strong. I want to take new territory for you. I want to do wild exploits for the kingdom. I want to travel. I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to build a business that honors Christ. I want to be a teacher that honors Christ. I want to be a minister that honors Christ. I want to be in the marketplace honoring Christ. I want you to work through me, Lord, so I invite you to work deeply in me. Do this new work of holiness so I can be this part of this new generation to conquer new territory for you. Lord, dismiss us in your presence. Could we just dim the house lights here? And I'm going to say an amen, and if you need to find a place to kneel and pray, or if you want to come up around the front and kneel and pray, you can do that. Lord, thank you for chapel today. Thank you for the worship. 
Thank you for these incredible students who day after day lead us into your presence. Thank you for Pastor Jeff's leadership here among these worship leaders. Lord, we're on the precipice of a revival. This place is a leadership institute training leaders since 1930. Jesus, we know you're going to pour out of your spirit and we want to be a part of it. You led us here and we want the next step to be right. We pray this, dismiss us in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to find a place to kneel and pray, we love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of the semester.